Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur Santa's helper. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, such as mine. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And you, my friends, I want you to be part of this conversation. So, find me, track me down, stalk me on Twitter, Instagram, Rizzle, at Colt S. Taylor. And feel free to hit me up there with any sort of your comments or you'll engage with me. I always love talking and meeting new people. And then, of course, you should have this already bookmarked for months. Follow all of my adventures and what I'm up to at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. All right, folks, let's get ready for this week's Saturday Report. I finally got my hands on the numbers uh, for what will, I mean, I can't see how else I would talk about this. The likely last Kanye West 2020 presidential update. Um, I was very curious to see where he would have landed uh, at the very end of uh, all of this in terms of what, what sort of place he came in. Uh, I, was, I was, as you know, the most uh, votes uh, in this election, Joe Biden, then Donald Trump. After that was libertarian Joe Jorgensen with 1.8 million, 1.18% of the vote. Very actually respectable for uh, libertarians. Uh, Howie Hawkins, uh, 400,000. Uh, he was not on a lot of uh, as many ballots as the Green Party has been in the past. Uh, Dr. Jill Stein, who I believe, was on more ballots than than uh, this person. Uh, and those were the, you know, those are the two major parties, the two more well-known minor parties, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green. And after that, we had, oh, we just had, we just had everybody else. So unfortunately, I thought that Kanye West would come in fourth or fifth place, and uh, he did not. He came in overall in sixth place. Uh, I imagine a little disappointing for Geezy. <clears throat> um, however, uh, above him uh, was Rocky De La Fuita uh, with 88,000 votes. Gloria La Riva, uh, Rocky was in the Alliance Party. Gloria La Riva in the Socialism and Liberation Party with 85,000. And then finally, Kanye West, the birthday party, 70,486 votes. 0.04% of the overall confirmed popular vote. However, I would like to note that he did beat out 30 other registered candidates for President of the United States. Yes, uh, a lot of people run for president uh, on various different states, and uh, this was quite a crop. Uh, he did beat Brock Pierce, former child star of the Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks 2, who's all worth almost a billion dollars. Um, through Bitcoin. He only got just shy of 50,000 votes. And then uh, Jade Simmons, who I also mentioned in that one one uh, piece I did way back when about folks who bought their way onto the Oklahoma uh, general ticket. Jade Simmons only got 6,784 votes. So that $35,000 check might not have been the best use of her money. 
in that regard. And then, I mean, you can, you can find this list almost anywhere. There's a lot of very interesting people on this list. Uh, there's someone named Phil Collins. I don't think uh, he is the the uh, drummer for Genesis. Uh, but he ran for the Prohibition Party. So there's that. And then at the bottom of this list, and I, I don't know where this person was. I don't care that much to find out. But Zach, Zach Scalf came in dead last in the presidential election with 29 votes nationwide. <laughs> I feel like maybe 15 of those are family and the rest are friends who just wanted to make Zach feel a little bit better about uh, himself. Um, so uh, there you are. That is the last Kanye West 2020 update. A disappointing uh, sixth place finish. Wait, wait, four, four, five, six, seventh. Disappointing seventh place finish for Yeezy. Uh, he did beat out uh, Donald Blankenship for the Constitution Party, so he did. He did. He did place higher. He was the highest placing uh, newest uh, candidate. So he's listed as an independent. He was running as a birthday party, but it's not an officially registered political party, so technically he's independent. He was the highest um, the highest ranking independent of all the independents, and he did beat out other uh, minor minor political parties, like the Constitution Party, the Socialist Workers Party, the Progressive Party, Prohibition, Unity, Socialist Workers, American Solidarity, Life and Liberty. I mean, these are folks who are uh, have registered parties and uh, he ranked higher than that. So, obviously, uh, so if you're a celebrity, you can get places. But uh, being a celebrity running as an independent, you, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough hill to crawl. Tough hill to crawl. But just as a reminder, just as a reminder, Yeezy 2024 could be a thing. And if it is, you will hear coverage right here on the Saturday Report. Next up is just a brief update. Um... It's an update because there is no update. As you know, I have been following monoliths appearing throughout the world, uh, but that has come to an abrupt stop. I have not seen any new monolith stories out there since last week. It looks like these things popping up all over the place has just kind of come to a stop, which is to be very disappointing. Very disappointing that these aren't popping up elsewhere. I mean, I would did not think this was uh end of the world twenty twenty situation. But uh, you know, I I I'm just I just a smidgen a smidgen a smidgen a smidgen disappointed that there are no more monoliths. Uh maybe they're taking a break for the holidays. Maybe they aren't. I don't know, but I'm disappointed that I cannot bring you another monolith update. Uh, I will be paying attention, though. I'll be keeping my eyes and ears peeled, and my network of informant informants around the world will alert me if there is one. And if you see one, you can alert me, too. You're part of my network. But uh, this might be, as sad as it is for me to say, the end of the great monolith appearance uh, storm of 2020. But uh, I'm hopeful, hopeful, uh, we'll start seeing these again. But as of last week, no new additional sightings that have come across my desk. Moving along to entertainment news. As I mentioned last week, uh, Taylor Swift released a quarantine album, her second, actually, of the 
entire pandemic, but she is not the only musically talented person who has uh, done some work while being kept at home. Uh, Ringo Starr, who has just turned 80 years old, and will be releasing an album uh, next March with five songs, five songs he was working on between April and October during the pandemic um, to sort of keep busy and whatnot. He is, like I said, he's 80 years old, so he is in, uh, you know, a high-risk group for COVID-19, so I'm glad he is, um, not, not out and about. Um, the name of his album is called Zoom In, very appropriate since a lot of us are on Zooms, uh, these days. Uh, it also features some vocals from, uh, Dave Grohl, Lenny Kravitz, Show Crow, uh, Ben Harper, uh, Ringo's, uh, brother-in-law named Joe Walsh, Chris Stapleton, and, uh, this, uh, really, really, I think, talented up-and-coming, uh, uh, guitar player named Paul McCarty, McCarty, Paul McCartney, I've never heard of him, never heard of him, but, uh, yeah, yeah, he's been busy, uh, I mean, he's Ringo Starr, I'm sure his house has a multi-million dollar recording studio in there, and he decided to write five songs during quarantine, it'll be available in March 2021, I'm sure my good friend Rox will play a song or two come this spring from that album. She's always has she's she has just just the the pulse the pulse of the music industry on her right now. I'm holding my wrist right now. I don't feel anything. I'm not a musically inclined person. If you put your fingers uh, on uh, uh, Rox's uh, wrist to, to measure the pulse, it it it's in beat. It's a beat. It's a beat. So look for Zoom in. Uh, a five-track EP set for March from uh, Beatles drummer Ringo Starr. Continuing with uh, entertainment news, Jeremy Bullock, who portrayed Bubba Fett in the first Star Wars trilogies, has passed away. At the age of 75, he was the original Bubba Fett, and uh, he only had, I believe, a handful of lines in both movies, maybe four or five uh, but became a immediate fan favorite, one of the most favorite characters in the Star Wars universe, uh, Bubba Fett. And uh, then, as you may remember, in the, the prequel trilogy, we found out that Bubba Fett is a clone of Jango Fett, and so they sort of reconned that into the canon of where Bubba Fett came from. And then, actually, you may not, be, you may not know this, but... Um, the original lines of Bubba Fett were not actually spoken by him, as I understand it. Um, they were spoken by other actors. And then when the prequels came out and the actor who played Django Fett was the template for the clones in that series. Yes, I'm not a Star Wars nerd, but at least I know my background. The actor who played Django Fett and then Bubba Fett's supposed to be a clone of him went back and re-recorded the lines in the original movies because they're all they're all going to sound the same. They're all going to sound the same. And for those uh, who um, may not realize it, uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but uh, it is very appropriate and somewhat touching that he has passed away with The Mandalorian coming out, which is a Disney Plus series, which are also Bubba Fett, Makes an appearance, makes an appearance. I'm not going to say how or why, but uh, it's, that is an excellent series on Disney+, Plus, The Mandalorian. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to tell you what the last, the last episode is, but 
wow, wow. Watch until after the credits also. It's a really good series. Uh, I'm glad I got the Disney Plus subscription. Um, like I said, I'm not much of a Star Wars nerd, but it is a really well put together series. Uh, it's directed by John Favreau, which like, huh, that sounds familiar. John Favreau uh, directed the first two Iron Man movies, sort of kick-started that franchise. He plays Happy in the movies, Tony Stark's driver. He also directed this. He also directed Elf with Will Ferrell. I mean, the guy, I don't know what his secret sauce is, but he does some mighty fine work, some mighty fine work. And, um, I mean, I lo love the first season of The Mandalorian. Second season is great. Can't wait for the third Whew, pretty incredible stuff. And like I said, uh, Jeremy Bullock, he actually passed away the day before uh, the final, the finale of season two, which is sad, really, but almost very, very poignant, I think. Um, because, I mean, Bubba Fett's a very great character, and the Mandalorian character is also an amazing character. It's, it's, just, it's a good series. You should check it out. Um, anyways, circling back, uh, Jeremy Bullock who portrayed the original Boba Fett in the original movies, has passed away <clears throat> after uh, several years of having uh, Parkinson's disease and whatnot. But uh, several actors, uh, Mark Hamill, um, Billy Dee Williams, put out tributes to him. Apparently he was the quinta, a quintessential quintessential uh, English actor. Very nice, very kind. Uh, he also made some appearances in some James Bond movies. 1981's For Your Eyes Only and 1983's uh, Octopussy. So, um, I'm sure he will be uh, remembered. Keeping in the world of entertainment, Sesame Street is welcoming two new residents, uh, Aziz and Noor, and they will be portraying uh, Rohingya refugees. There will be Rohingya refugee Muppets uh, engaging in some um, segments and about emotional learning and things like that. Uh, the Rohingya people are originally from Burma slash Myanmar. And due to ethnic strife, uh, over 800,000 of them have been pushed out of the country and made them live in refugee camps along the border and in Bangladesh. And uh, it, 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 it's a problem over there that uh, the world is trying to uh, deal with, and much like many problems, the world is not doing a very good job at it. But Sesame Street are introducing these two Muppets to sort of put together some materials. Uh, the Sesame Street has long been a place where they, I feel like they've been ahead of the curve. Uh, they've had Muppets with disabilities. They've had, uh, for example, Muppets with autism. Uh, it's sort of introducing children to these different... Uh, different things that they were going to come into contact as they grow up and introducing them young so they can understand the concepts. Um, I remember growing up watching Sesame Street and one of the actors on Sesame Street passed away uh, in real life. And instead of sort of ignoring it or saying like he went on vacation and never came back, the character died on the show. And the show had a several segments about you know, coming to terms when someone passes away. So Sesame Street is a real, real jewel, in, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of early childhood education. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the Elmo song gets on people's nerves from time to time, but in terms of teaching kids uh, some basic skills, how to deal with different situations, you really can't get more bang for your buck 
than Sesame Street. And uh, like I said, this is just another step in their history of uh, showing different people from different walks of life. So children are a little bit more cultured and a little more exposed to the world. And uh, these two new Muppets, Aziz and Noor, are going to uh, help expose and teach children about the situations these Rohingya children are facing in these refugee camps. Like I said, 800,000, there's over 800,000 refugees. 40% of them are under the age of 12. So there are a ton of children over there in refugee camps. And, uh, you know, I hopefully this helps their situation long-term and brings more awareness to the to the problem that's over there. So, uh, congrats, good on Sesame Street for taking on this issue uh, head-on. Moving along to science. Science. Neptune, where is it? Well, it's not the oceanic god of the sea. No, not that, not that Neptune. The planet, the planet Neptune. Uh, it is the last gas giant out there. Uh, it was the last planet when Pluto got kicked up. I believe Pluto was back in the club. And much like Jupiter, it has a dark spot on it. Um, there, it's a gas giant, and these huge storms rage across its atmosphere all the time. Jupiter has a big spot that's well-known that's been seen for centuries, documented for centuries. And Neptune has a dark spot as well. These storms have gone on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They're kind of self-feeding. But with the Hubble telescope, uh, they have been able to detect other storms. Other storms will form. They're not as dark, so you can't really see them with telescopes on, on Earth, but the space telescope, Hubble, can pick them up. And these storms move around for about a year or two and then eventually dissipate. They usually go down to the equator, where conditions are less ripe to have these massive hurricane-like storms, and they dissipate. Well, scientists, for the first time, have seen a storm seen a storm head towards the equator, and they okay, okay, this, this storm's been around for two years, it's going to go down there and dissipate, and then make a 180, like turn the, into the opposite direction sharply, like go one way, stop, and then go the other way for the first time, first time documented. Uh, the, apparently the stop was so abrupt, so abrupt, a piece of it broke off and uh, eventually dissipated, but it was such a violent turn that the storm almost fell apart. Uh, they don't know why. They don't know if this happens often, but that that happened. That happened. The storm turned the other way. So they have a lot of data through the Hubble telescope, which is still up there, friends, still, still flying around, and uh, just shows you that we definitely need a telescope up there. Otherwise, we would never know these things. Um, and they're trying to figure out how, why, why that, why is that happening there? What is going on up there? So, Neptune is quite a way bits away. Uh, it would take decades, not decades, well, maybe a decade to get. I don't know how fast satellites travel. Uh, it's not a hop, skip, and a jump. It's years and years of flying through space, hoping your 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 probe and satellite gets there okay. If it breaks down halfway there, you've kind of just you know, ruined ruined the entire mission. So the Hubble telescope gets you a nice picture of Neptune, and uh, I thought it was a fascinating story that uh, you know the storm heading dissipating said nope, turn the other way, and it's still churning there on Neptune. Speaking of doing a one eighty, if you think you should head out and about or listen to some other radio station. Fridays at 9 p.m. and Sundays at 10 p.m., you need to stop, do a 180. If a piece of you breaks off 
and dissipates along the equator, then so be it, my friends, because if you do not, then you are making a huge mistake because you are missing DC live in effect uh, right here on AWSM Radio. He is our in-house DJ, and DC, my personal pal, uh, will be smashing it on the ones and twos, kicking the beats from his South Florida uh, Neptune-like storm of awesomeness. Uh, Fridays at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. You don't want to miss it. He's a great, great DJ. I love his work. I tune in whenever I can. I mean, sometimes I'm I'm on an adventure, but when I'm not on an adventure, I'm listening to DC live in effect right here on AWSM Radio. We now return to space. Not quite as far as Neptune, but uh, somewhat closer. A Japanese satellite uh, has spent the last six years uh, chasing down an asteroid, observing it for about a year and a half, and collecting samples of asteroid from it to bring back to Earth. Well, it arrives back to Earth. The quote-unquote treasure box of samples was open, and boy, howdy, they got quite a bit in terms of samples. They were hoping hoping to get, at best, a gram, a gram of asteroid to look at because they need at least a gram to do all the analysis they wanted to do. And uh, For those who don't know how much a gram is, basically the weight of a paperclip is basically a gram. And um, they got almost six, so about five to six times the amount they're looking for in this probe, which they're just very happy about because scientists have an idea of what asteroids are made up of. But this is the first time a sample of an asteroid from the asteroid has been successfully returned back to Earth for analysis. And um, this has a lot, a lot of applications. Uh, it helps scientists be- understand asteroids, so we better understand the building blocks of the universe. Uh, the, a lot of these asteroids have been flying around since literally the beginning of time, and so... It gives them a better picture of how the universe is made up and how things form. Also, also handy, uh, the world of asteroid mining is something that is being talked about a lot. Still decades, if not generations off from being a reality. But, um, you know, Earth only has so many minerals and there's lots of asteroids out there. So <clears throat> if there's a way to collect a sample from an asteroid, bring it back and analyze it and get a good idea of what is actually on that asteroid, that's going to make asteroid mining a whole lot more uh, practical and cl- a closer to step to reality. Because much like here on Earth, you go around, you take samples, you analyze it, and huh, I think there's something down there that's worth digging up. And they dig it up and they extract the minerals from the Earth. Uh, you just can't just drive around an asteroid field on, in your little space shuttle and step out and take a scoop full of dirt and bring it back to Earth. You need to send probes. They need to land. They need to collect samples and bring it back successfully. We don't quite have that sort of technology. We just send someone a spacecraft to fly about. And, um, you know, that's that's part of it. And also, another thing, another thing is that uh, a lot of times you can get an idea of what a asteroid is made up of by, you know, shooting a laser at it or taking a picture and sending microwaves and seeing how those rays interact with said asteroid. So now they've examined this asteroid many different ways using many different tools. And now that they have a collection, a sample of the asteroid, they'll be able to actually analyze 
physical evidence of that asteroid and then compare that to the results to see how close were we. Were we right when we thought iron was on there? Were we right when we thought there was gold? And if they line up, fantastic. If they don't, well, that means they need to work on their tools a bit more. So this is quite an amazing, amazing scientific find. Um, I don't know if it will lead to future stories, but I think it's very interesting that uh, we have the technology today to send a probe to an asteroid flying hundreds of thousands of miles per hour through the space, catch up with it, put something down, take a scoop of dirt, and bring it back successfully. Um, I think that it just blows my mind the math and science behind that. Keeping with science, but going to the world of health, uh, the FDA, I read this week, has just approved for emergency use, which is, uh, if, which if you think about it, it's a term that basically means, yeah, we're pretty sure this is good. We haven't really done all the tests we want to do, but yeah, good enough. Uh, has approved for emergency use a at-home COVID-19 testing system. Yes. Uh, apparently, it only costs five bucks. You can pick it up in a store. Um, well, there'll be at stores for you to pick up. And then you can test yourself, and then I guess you download an app, and the thing reads it, and then gives you your results as a one-use sort of thing. However, the thing that is bothering a lot of people is that it's an at-home use device, but, but you need to make like a $20 telemedicine appointment so a doctor can watch you take the sample and process it. So, um... Yeah, that part isn't um, very convenient because, I mean, there's only so many doctors with only so many telemedicine appointments available. So you would need to get a prescription for this, pick it up, take it back, wait for your telemedicine appointment, make sure you have a good internet connection, do the sample, make sure you do it right, process it, and then I guess... <laughs> I guess you find out. Now, with that said, I do understand the necessity for having a doctor watch you do this because, I mean, listen, folks, there's a lot of folks out there that don't think COVID-19 is a big deal. And I think scientifically speaking, they're idiots. But there's lots of folks out there that don't claim to have COVID-19, but they do. And so they could theoretically take this test, not, not swab the right part that needs to be swabbed, Come back. Oh, look, look, see, it says a negative. I don't have to wear a mask. USA, USA, freedom. Um, and uh, then they get a bunch of people sick and kill some grandmothers. And it's, that's just science. So having a doctor say, well, no, you got to swab back there, buddy. You just can't, like, rub your hand against it, and that's the COVID-19 test. Makes sense to me. I mean, it's still, like, you know multiplies the cost of the test from 5 bucks to 25 bucks. So, I mean, it's certainly more accessible than a $150 test, but still, it's a $25 test. It's, if it was 5 bucks all around, I mean, you could be testing people once a week or every day. I mean, I'd, be, I'd spend 5 bucks to be tested every few days to make sure I didn't have the COVID. So, hopefully, they'll be able to sort this out and uh, get the price down a little bit. But still, with that said, good news that uh, starting in January on a limited basis, but hopefully ramping up production throughout the year, 
there will be widely available at-home COVID-19 tests that are still relatively cheap compared to what, what, now, what we have now and hopefully get this uh, infection, this pandemic, under control. I think we're, 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 we're seeing the light, light at the end of the tunnel. Let's make sure we go through, all, through that tunnel all the way through and get out to the other side. Moving along, back to entertainment. Uh, the National Film Registry is a uh, is an organization that archives the most culturally important films produced since filming uh, began. And every year, they select twenty five films, ten years and older, to add to the National Film Registry. And they've released their uh, twenty five films, and it has some pretty big recent blockbusters on it. So, they have included amongst these movies. Uh, the Dark Knight, the Batman movie, the one with the Joker, and Shrek. Shrek, both Shrek and the Dark Knight are considered to be culturally important. Uh, some other uh, movies they've added, uh, nine of them have been directed by women, uh, including The Hurt Locker, Outrage. Uh, they've also have added um, Losing Ground, um, uh, Sweet... Uh, Sweet, Sweetback's Badass Song, uh, The Joy Luck Club, as well as Grease, The Blues Brothers, A Clockwork, Clockwork Orange. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing that these, uh, these movies have been uh, added to the National Film Registry. I've seen most of them. I have not seen Sweet, Sweetback's Badass Song or The Joy Luck Club, but I believe I have seen... Losing Ground, The Hurt Locker, Shrek, who haven't seen Shrek, uh, The Dark Knight, um, and uh, yeah, that's just amongst a bunch of other uh, movies uh, as old as 1913 uh, to as recent as, I think the most recent one was, I think The Dark Knight was the most, yeah, The Dark Knight 2008 was the most recent one added to this to this movie collection. So it's a quite, quite a, uh, oh, 2010, I'm sorry. The Freedom Writers were added. That's also another good movie. All added to the National Film Registry. They pick 25, 25 movies every year. And um, it is a, it's a nice, it's a nice selection here. Some not so well-known ones, some very old ones, obviously. Suspense from 1913. I, I don't know, I don't know what Suspense in 1913 was. Uh, maybe... Maybe maybe an unescorted woman down the street was suspenseful to the folks in 1913. Uh, that's that's the oldest one, I believe. But uh, they got movies from the, the teens, the 20s, 70s, 40s, 50s, 80s, uh, many of these decades. And, uh, yeah, so congratulations to those movies uh, entering it. Uh, the National Film Registry is, a, you know, if you don't know what to watch during the pandemic, the National Film Registry is not a bad place to poke around for some classic movies that you may not have seen yet. Actually, that, that's, a, that's a great idea. I think I might do that this weekend. <laughs> Friends, you have heard of TikTok. You're aware of Snapchat. Uh, I am, of course, on Rizzle, which if you're not on, shame on you for not following me there. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, this sort of one minute, 15 second to one minute video format is very popular. Instagram has its stories. Uh, Facebook has, well, it owns Instagram, so Facebook has its own stories. Even Twitter, even Twitter has now, has this feature called Fleet, where you can record 30-second things that disappear after Twitter. I don't know why they're doing that. I, I don't use that. I don't get it. But Reddit has bought Dubsmash. Dubsmash is another player in this realm, and they are buying Dubsmash, Dubsmash to take on TikTok, 
and also to uh, fight racism. You see, dubstep, dubstep, dub smash is very popular with uh, black t- black and Latino creators. Uh, it has a large community of black and Latino creators on there. Uh, I believe one in four uh, teens in these ethnic groups are on dub smash. So they want to buy it, elevate these underrepresented creators. They're taking their shot at it. And um, I would expect to see Dub Smash become a whole lot more prominent. Reddit has a whole lot of money, so <laughs> uh, one one would think that they'll be able to put a little bit of money into that. Uh, they have a lot of similar features to TikTok. Uh, very popular with lip syncing and lip talking. Twenty five percent of all black teens are on Dub Smash, and females represent seventy percent of users according to Reddit in a press release. Uh, so it's uh, pretty amazing. So this whole format of this sort of shorter content, something you just sort of stand there and watch for a minute or two, um, it's very popular. It's heating up. It's heating up. I don't have my uh, check yet from all the stuff I do, but I'm in that format as well on Rizzle. So, uh, friends, if you don't, if you haven't checked out these platforms... The TikTok, the Snapchat, the Rizzle, the Dub Smash, all these things, you really should, because you're missing out some on some really, really creative things. So make a schedule, listen to my show on Saturdays, and then spend the rest of the Saturday checking out these young creators. And I'll tell you what, they're really clever. They're really clever. Like I feel like I need to up my game on my Rizzle channel because some of these folks as they do some pretty, pretty impressive stuff. So Anyways, Reddit is getting in on the game. They are buying Dub Smash. Uh, I haven't seen how much they're buying Dub Smash for, but I assume whoever is getting paid for it will be making a pretty penny off of this acquisition. Speaking of Smash and smashing it, my friend Rocks smashes it so often, I think she should be arrested for vandalism because she is on... AWSM Radio, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. with The Rocks Sessions. It's a drive-time show, and she makes sure your evening commute home is fun. It features the hottest music on the charts, some surprises in between, and I'll tell you what, the, the, the angelic, sweet, fantastic voice of my pal Rock should be in your vehicle, office, wherever you are, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., because if you're not, you're really missing out. And again, again, shame on you for not listening. I, I'm shaming you today for your lack, your lack of exposure to some wonderful content out there. It's not hard. It, you, you, you can literally do everything from your phone. So no excuse to catch one of the rock sessions Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., hosted by my friend Rocks. She's on Make It Rocks, Rock Style, right here on AWSM Radio. Our last story today uh, comes from the world of gaming. Now, I'm not a big gamer. I don't have a system. I play one game on the iPad, World of Warships. Colt S. Taylor, find me there. I'd like to sink ships. Uh, but this new game called Cyberpunk 2077 takes place in the future. Features Keanu Reeves uh, voice acting and likeness in this game. Uh, it's supposed to be this big, immersive world. You can be anyone. You can choose which side to 
fight for and you're a mercenary and it looks like a very interesting game. Unfortunately, uh, they had to recall it. Yes, in uh, a first, uh, Sony is offering uh, refunds to people who have bought this game and it has just not worked well. Like if you have a high-end computer system, it works pretty good. But even older console model, it's breaking, it's crashing. Some systems are being bricked. That means they just don't work no more, and now you have a broken console. And uh, things are so bad that they are offering refunds, and they've pulled it from a download store. Not quite ready for prime time. And uh, this, I mean, games in the past have been released before they should have been, and they just keep releasing patches to catch up with the work. But things are so bad with this game on some consoles that like, like they're just giving their money back. Like, come back later. We're gonna we're gonna work on this a bit longer. Uh, a bug that uh, became sort of the top bug is that you can customize your characters on here. You can say the look, you know their their height, the weight, their face tattoos, everything. You can also customize their uh, every every part of the body, including the uh, genitalia for men and the bust for women. Well, if you make things too big, the pants will not and shirt will not render around these parts, and so you might be playing the game, you know, flopping about, flippity floppity flop. Uh, just one of many different bugs. Uh, some people say that uh, it kind of looks like an N sixty four game on some consoles. That was deliberately misrepresented what this game would be like. So, major embarrassment by this game company who who came out with The Witcher, which is a very popular game. Uh, it seems like the higher-ups, after multiple delays, rushed this game out before the holidays and made a tremendous, a tremendous mistake, um, which I just don't understand. Like, they said, we've got two patches, two big patches coming in January and February. Well, if the patches in January and February are supposed to fix all these problems, why didn't you wait till January and February to have it out? So, um... <laughs> <laughs> so if you're planning on getting this game for Christmas, unless you have a computer system that is, you know, worth thousands and thousands of dollars, it's high end, you might want to wait apparently because this just game, this game just does not work well and uh, they need to put a little bit more work into it. Fortunately, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves' voice acting wasn't enough to make this game work on older, older consoles. I'm glad I'm not a gamer. I just don't have the time of the day to uh, to dedicate to gaming. Well, that just about wraps up another sad report with me, Cole, Sebastian, Taylor. Thank you for joining me today. Remember, my friends, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor. Also, if you play World of Warships, I'm on there occasionally sinking destroyers and cruisers. It's my only vice. Only vice. Uh, so feel free to engage with me on there if you think I'm missing a story or if there's something I should cover or, you know, you just want to yell at me. I'll, I'll, I take all kinds of attention. Uh, just as a reminder, this, uh, this week, Santa Claus is visiting some of you. Uh, be sure to track his movements. Uh, just a little bonus ending story here. NORAD, the North American Defense Network, tracks Santa Claus every year to let you know where he is. It started as a mistake in the 50s when someone published the wrong phone number and ended up being the phone number to NORAD Command, and so they just started giving Santa updates, and then they do it every year, so you can see where he is throughout the world. I watch it. I watch it every year, because I want to know where he is. 
Uh, so until next week, my friends, I am, of course, your friend, the one, the only, and definitely not Santa Claus, Mr. Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later. Oh, oh, oh.